0: I think confidence is a side effect of hustle. I definitely had confidence growing up in certain areas. Oh, I see. I got an A on this test. So I must be good at X, Y, Z. There's the external validation points, which only go so far. When I realized my ability to be my own inner advocate was through movement. That was when I realized that I am the director of this story and that was really terrifying and exciting at the same time. And the confidence that now really like buttresses like uh, most areas of my life. It's a side effect of the hustle.
1: I'm on this journey with me each week. When you join me, we are going to chase down our goals, overcome adversity, and set you up
0: for a better tomorrow. That's no I'm ready for my close-up.
1: Hi, and welcome back. I'm so excited for you to meet my guest today. It's Robin Arzon, vice president of fitness programming and head instructor at Peloton, New York Times bestselling author. And wait till you hear the other things this woman is up to. She is a superwoman. Robin discovered her passion for athletics after healing from a traumatic experience through movement. She fearlessly left behind a successful law career to embark on a new adventure known as Peloton, what? She believes that sweat transforms lives and her story is living proof. To date, Robin has run 27 marathons. P.S. I've run none. And several ultra marathons, including five marathons in five days. This is insane. Her life's mission is to redefine, reform, and rethink possibility through movement, which she is doing every day. Her powerful influence and undeniable swagger transcend the fitness space with major brands, partnerships, collaborations, and the intersection of wellness, lifestyle, and fashion, including GSTQ. Robin's first children's book, Strong Mama, was written as a love letter to her daughter, Athena, about the journey they took together. I can't wait to get into it. And just one more thing. In 2020, Robin was named one of the most influential people on Fortune Magazine's 40 Under 40. Unbelievable. 2021 became the first ever recipient of Glamour Magazine's Daring to Disrupt. And today, right now, the cover girl of Women's Health Magazine. Robin, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me. What an intro. I have to bring you everywhere to kind of be a hype woman. That was really great. (laughs) I'm
1: totally your hype woman. Listen, for a long time in my career, my listeners know this I did not have women that would hype me up. They would, for whatever their reasons were, they wanted me to dim my light. They didn't want to celebrate things for me. And I used to think that was just the norm until I got out of that corporate environment which I'm interested to find out that's similar for you. But then once you get around people that are for you and cheering you on, it's such a great feeling. And it just lets everybody say, oh, wait, when I shine my light, I'm inspiring someone else to shine theirs. Thank you. And that's what you're doing for us today.
0: Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: Oh my gosh. Wait. So I do have to ask you this. Did you years ago ever think to yourself? Yeah, for sure. One day I'll be on the cover of a major magazine.
0: <laughs> you know, it was a dream. It was definitely a dream. Not when I was a lawyer, but I, I didn't imagine, I didn't really aspire to be on the cover of like the Bar Association, you know, magazine, but sure. I mean, it was a, it was a dream of mine. And I, it's really, it's kind of funny when you realize dreams that you kind of only wrote in your journal privately, you know, years and years later, I still have a little bit of disbelief. <laughs>
1: I think that's normal. I mean, that anytime something big happens for me, I feel the same way. Like, is this, am I getting punked? I always think Ashton Kutcher is going to jump out of some somewhere and be like, no, you are getting punked. That was hilarious. But you <laughs> definitely are not. All right, let's get into it because I love your backstory. So many people, you know, I'm a Peloton writer, just like I'm sure so many people listening And when they see you on the bike and see you, you know, you're leading this huge company and and you're blowing up, everyone thinks, oh my gosh, of course, that's so easy for her. And I want to get into how it hasn't been so easy for you. And I was so surprised in doing research on you that you grew up with immigrant parents and were performing incredibly well academically and really immersed in this academia world, which seems nothing like what you're doing now. What was it like back then for you?
0: Always, always the straight A student. I was the kid who loved, like, I just loved books. <laughs> and my mom really modeled that for me. My mom and my dad. My dad was a law professor. And my mom is a physician. And the school was kind of the easier part. What I realized later was the story. I told myself the story that I was the straight A student. I didn't tell myself the story that I could throw a ball or go to gym class. And so that physical activity and movement was really kind of scary to me. And it's clearly I pivoted and iterated a lot for the life I've created for myself now. But I think the larger message is that we really can become the stories that we tell ourselves. And now I'm, I'm really aware of the story that I tell myself. And then in engaging with my daughter, Athena, kind of watching what I how I story tell around her experience because once we're kind of labeled or even label ourselves as something or are reticent to own a label. When I started running, I started running when I was in law school and for the longest time I was doing 10 k half marathons, marathons. I was like, Oh, I'm not a runner. A runner is this or that a runner is a five minute mile. A runner, you know, has been doing this for 20 years, you know? So stepping into our various identities I think is can be really, really powerful, and then also being being aware of, of the stories that we're telling ourselves. But yeah, I had examples in my parents. Uh, my mother Cuban, my father born in uh, Puerto Rico and raised in the Bronx, and they really modeled for me self determination.
1: Oh, well, that has come through crystal clear, and I appreciate you sharing that because I definitely have told myself so many limiting stories. I've I've accepted labels and held on to them, and had to get really clear on and making an effort a conscious effort to say I'm not going to allow myself me to label myself this anymore I'm going to drop this label like you did with with the academics and step and step into something so different so what was that moment like or that experience like that you went through that really created that pivot in your life when you decided to step away from law and academia and, and branch into something completely different
0: well there were lots of moments I think I don't think for most people there's sometimes there's one aha moment, but I think that we get thousands of signs and we choose to see them or not. So the reason I started running is because I had a pretty intense trauma occur when I was a senior at NYU entering law school the following year, I had already been accepted to law school. And I mean, I was held at gunpoint in the East village in New York city. When I was meeting girlfriends on a Friday night after work, just, you know, New York city in the summer can have like a magical feeling to it. And it was one of those nights that was that until it very much wasn't. And, um, I was sitting in this wine bar and a man walked in and he was flailing a gun. And in a matter of minutes, I went from telling my girlfriend about, you know, probably the crush I had at the time to being a hostage negotiator with the NYPD who are outside And time slows down, you become, that was actually one of the moments where I became really aware of story. Like not in the moment, but when I reflect back on that experience, my internal narrative was very focused, but it was very loud. And I just kept telling myself, this is not the end to my story. Like this is not like no freaking way. Is this it? So there's a fight. I believe in in every, every, every one of us, there's the fight innate to the human spirit that, um, I hold on to it till this day. So that was a moment of powerlessness for sure and trauma, acute trauma. And over the years, I have been able to repackage that story as a source of strength. And I think that in a lot in a lot of our Life's inflection points, we always have a choice whether we're going to be a a victim to the circumstance or we're going to be victorious no matter what the circumstance is. And so, you know, when I survived that experience, I thought, okay, am I going to just be someone who survived that or am I now going to thrive? Because, like, damn, I'm here. Like, I'm here for a reason. So let's go. And it took a while, of course, for me to process all of that. I mean, I'm still to a certain extent processing a lot of that, but running helped me so much. I started running when I was in law school. So about the year after this hostage incident, and I don't even know why, like I said, as a kid, I was not an athlete. Like it w- I really wasn't surrounded by runners. My mom's not a runner. I mean, I was a runner now, funnily enough, after having me, it's supporting me in marathons, but I wasn't surrounded by it is my point. And I just saw a pair of dusty shoes that weren't even running shoes in my closet. And I thought, I'm just going to jog, walk, (laughs) nearly crawl to campus today on my way to law school. And I just started getting curious and really uncomfortable, but curious. And it provided me like a different focus. I I was, I had a lot of pain that I was carrying and I wasn't even aware of it. Highly ambitious, multifaceted, multi-hyphenate people can just like get it done but should we always have to, you know, with that heavy burden? And it was through the runs that I really started to use movement as medicine.
1: And at that point in time, were you thinking, okay, this is, this is a calling for me. Or at that point in time, you were just trying to get, escape the pain and try to grow through that.
0: Yeah, definitely growth. I mean, I practiced law for almost eight years. So I, you know, I had a full, full law career as a corporate litigator. And like I said, it wasn't one aha moment. I think there were like, lots of little moments where uh, I was being called to something else. When I started podcasting, an
1: online store was the furthest thing from my mind. Now I'm selling my group coaching on the regular, and it is just so easy, all because I use Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at All lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Monahan now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Monahan. No matter what stage you're at, they're going to make it easy. Are you tired of the stress and chaos of live launching? Who isn't, right? But if you've tried going evergreen, you know that's not the solution either. Hello, low conversions. So what's the answer? The circuit sales system is designed to make sales for you every single day, while giving your audience all the excitement of live launching without you ever having to live launch again. What would increasing your current yearly revenue by 40 times look like for you? on-demand video training at circuitsalessystem.com confidence. Get the free on-demand video training at circuitsalessystem.com confidence. You might not know this about me. I had one aha moment that changed my whole life. Nothing like the PTSD situation that that you had, which I can't even fathom. So grateful that you were able to get through that. I was fired when I was in the C-suite in corporate America. And that was the moment I said, okay, I'm going a completely different route. and And to your point, there was lots of signs along the way in the background, but nothing that called to me like that moment. Since you didn't have a moment like that, How did you find the courage to, you were stepping away from a career you're very successful in, you weren't fired, you were doing great, but you you had this trajectory that was clearly set out in front of you. You had all of this time behind you that you had invested in the education and whatnot to get to that point. And your family, I would Mm -hmm. imagine, was signed up for that program that you were in. How did you find that courage to step out and say, I'm going to do something completely different?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's tough, especially when you have the external pressures and when you have quote unquote, the dream job and the dream, you know, it was all like young in New York city with an amazing income. I mean, my God, I'd never seen that much money in my life. You know, it was just unbelievable. Those are really difficult conversations to have with yourself. The conversation, the hardest conversation always starts with yourself. Like you think it might be, oh, with your partner or your mom or your kid or your boss. The first conversation that that you have to have is with yourself or the many conversations. So that's how it was for me. Once I started getting curious about, I was like, wow, I'm really passionate about this fitness thing. Like, I don't know how the heck I'm going to do this. But at first I was like, I'm just really passionate as a hobby. And then I realized, huh, maybe there's a way for me to monetize this. Like, can I pay my rent? Like, I don't know. So I started a 10 minute a day dreaming exercise. I set a calendar appointment for 10 minutes every single day. And oftentimes I would journal, I would Google I'd be like, what does an editor at women's health do? You know, like, and funnily enough, now I'm on the cover, but like, those are the things that I just, I just got curious. And there were some days where I just sat pen to paper and I was like, this is so stupid. I should just go to my next meeting or I should just, you know, and I just, I tried to develop a stickiness to that 10 minutes a day. And it really was 10 minutes a day for like two years. And I planted seeds. And then when I got a little bolder, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to send somebody an email or I'm going to like, you know, ask somebody to meet me for lunch, you know, and those were obviously the bigger asks. And I was told no a lot, but I was told yes too. And the yeses were enough to kind of fuel my fire. And then Ultimately, I I left my law firm two weeks before the London Olympics because I had an opportunity to kind of showcase my experience as a a blogger, I guess, on social media. And some brands were paying attention, like big athletic brands. And I thought, okay, this is my opportunity. Like, I have no idea what is going to be next, but this might be a scaffold to something else. So I took a chance. And the risk was felt really massive. It was massive, but I knew who I wanted to feel in my day-to-day. I wanted freedom. I wanted agency. I wanted the feeling I have when I'm, you know, in a workout or talking about a workout. And I knew that those were the the values and the standards I had to set for myself, even if I potentially disappointed some folks. And ultimately my immediate family was incredibly supportive. There were definitely some doubters, but I think I turned their doubt into determination. <laughs>
1: Uh, you turned their doubt into something I'm sure they don't want to remember anymore that they gave you any shade on what you were doing. Everybody listening right now, this is brilliant. It might sound simplistic, but setting that reminder for 10 minutes a day and investigating is brilliant. I remember 15 years ago, I loved speaking, but I didn't know people got paid for it. I would get off stages and say, I feel like magic. Oh, well, I have to go back to work now. And I never thought like you did, hey, maybe I could investigate this a little bit. I think that's brilliant. And for anyone who isn't sure, hasn't found your passion yet, when you are feeling great, take that 10 minutes. And it took Robin two years. Don't give up after a month. I just, I love that you did that. It's so simple, yet so incredibly powerful. So now the opportunity comes up for Peloton, and Peloton was not what Peloton is today. How did you know to take a chance on a brand that wasn't? omnipresent like Peloton is now.
0: I love vision boarding. I do vision boards a few times a year and on my vision board in my little business work quadrant, I think the majority of the vision board was uh, probably business at that point because I was voraciously searching for ways to pay my rent. I thought I wanted wanted to storytell and I wanted something that felt modernly disruptive And I didn't know that meant technology. I didn't know what that meant, but I thought I want to make waves, and I want to do it in a way that is scalable. More than I was teaching spin in a local New York City uh, spin studio at the time. In addition to writing my book, in addition to coaching runners, and you know, I was doing it all at that time. And I thought I need to scale this. I want to light people up more than twenty people at a time. And then I read a blurb about then CEO John Foley. And I thought, oh, wow, this is it. This is it. And I don't think I would have even been aware or paying attention if I hadn't done that vision board because it kind of piqued my interest. And then I sent a cold email to the company and I was totally, I mean, really, literally cold. They had no idea who I was. They did not approach me. I approached them. And I think I sent that email like late on a Monday night. By Wednesday, I had an audition you know, where I play some songs and they, I demonstrate my teaching style and things like that. And then I was leaving the following week for India to visit my sister who was living in India at the time. And I said, I have 72 hours. So if you want me and you want me, when I'm back in two weeks, I need a contract now. So I had a contract in my hands before I got on that plane.
1: Oh, I love that you called it out like that. That is so badass and good for you because they saw that you, you created a sense of urgency, right? It's scarcity. What if you moved on to do something else and you knew your worth? And when you know your worth, other people are going to see it as well. So congrats. I love how you handled that. That is so incredible. Okay, when you did sign with them, did you have this vision and was this on the vision board that you knew this brand was going to blow up or you you were just working towards how can I keep growing this?
0: You know, we definitely, I mean, the team then and now has really ambitious goals. I love it that we are, you know, we're dreamers who hustle. And I, I really align myself in every relationship, business relationship, and honestly, personal relationship that I have. There's an element of hustle and there's there's an element of grit. And that's one of the reasons I love GSTQ and I love Danny Garcia because that is definitely part of their value system and certainly peloton's right and and there were high in the sky goals some of them we've realized and then we can we keep building we keep building like i want to co- constantly live a life that is redefining po- possibilities and in my toolkit i call it a superhero toolkit i've added you know breathwork journaling vision boarding you know movement of course and then I now get to share that with the world on a global platform. And when it was, we still have the same grit, honestly, that we had when it was like 10 people on the leaderboard. Now that there's over 10,000 on an average class, you know, or something like that. So you have to anchor yourself in values and real talk and have people who are trusted critics who are willing to tell you like, Hey, like let's, let's have a feedback loop here. Like, let's see, let's kind of break this down so we can build it back up even stronger. And then also continue to dream so big that it makes small minds uncomfortable. Like I say kind of in jest, but not really that my dreams wake me up before my alarm clock goes off. Like I'm ready. And I'm so intoxicated by my dreams. The moment that I don't feel that I know that I have to keep thinking bigger.
1: Oh my gosh. It comes across so clearly in in your energy. Like you can feel it. Everyone can feel it. So it's so real. And it's just, it's so exciting to be around. A couple of things that I want to highlight that you said, one, that you're surrounded by people at work that have that same mindset that you do. Everybody's going for more. Everybody's pushing themselves. So critical who you are spending your time with at work day in and day out will affect the way that you're thinking for sure. And I wanted to highlight again, the vision boarding, because I actually don't vision board. I know so many people that do. Can you talk us through what that process looks like for you?
0: Yeah. I mean, like I said, I was an arts and crafts kid. So I love, like, I will like, I like the pen and paper. I'm sure there's tons of virtual apps and ways to do this on your phone or on your computer. I literally will cut up things from magazines and newspapers Sometimes I'll, of course I'll print stuff, you know, if I, if I want something really specific, but I usually do it in quadrants. So it'll be like personal life, business, it might be physical health. I was, you know, I bought an apartment with my husband two years ago. So there were part of the recent quadrants have been like, you know, money we want to invest in our home and renovations and things like that. And really it's just dreaming. It's like putting specificity in visual form and in words. So you can kind of focus your dreams a little bit. I always say you have to name it to claim it. So I find that vision boards help me create a pretty picture, but then it's kind of crystallizing a little bit more what I said I wanted and now what I think I want. And they change. And I look at old vision boards and I'm like, yeah, I thought I wanted that. You know, so you have to give yourself freedom to play and freedom to evolve, right? You are under no obligation to remain who you were just because it makes somebody else uncomfortable. Oh, that's so good.
1: And so incredibly true. Okay. I love that you are doing the vision boarding. You're inspiring me to start doing it. How did you get into, you just kind of glazed over. I was writing my first book to me. That (laughs) is like a main, that's major yet again, right? You went from law and then you were moving into, into the fitness industry and then you're writing a book. How did you make that leap? And why did you want to do
0: that? Well, I was noticing, you know, I, I really wrote the book that I Needed. I feel like a lot of the art that we create, a lot of the businesses that we start, are because we need that we needed ourselves. And I didn't feel like there was actionable training that was kind of talking to me. Someone who didn't grow up an athlete, someone who wasn't a five minute mile, someone who did you know did I didn't even necessarily look like folks at races. You know, I would show up and like red lipstick, cat eye, four finger gold rings, like chains. I mean, it was just like, I'm gonna rock how I am. I'm going to look good for victory as me. And shut up and run really was, I wanted to marry like practical advice. Like I will get you to the 5k finish line. I will get you all the way up to a 50 miler finish line, actually, which is pretty unusual for running manuals. And I wanted to infuse my story. So not just, not only my story of surviving trauma, but also, you know, as Latina as someone who believes that we can approach all stages, all chapters of our story with swagger, authenticity, and then also give folks permission to do that on their own terms, like redefine success, redefine what a quote runner with a capital R looks like, or feels like, or speaks like, or walks like, or dresses like, or runs like. There's an abundance of information out there. So I kind of wanted to distill it into something that was pretty straightforward, but honestly, swaggy. I mean, you
1: literally needed to be in that run like a girl campaign. If always is listening, they need to reach out to you immediately. Let's redo the campaign. Okay. So where does your confidence come from in your opinion across, I mean, all of these big moments and all these big leaps you take and showing up with the red lipstick, where do you find that confidence within you?
0: I think confidence is a side effect of hustle. I definitely had confidence growing up in certain areas, right? It's like, Oh, I see. I got an A on this test. So I must be good at X, Y, Z. There's the external validation points, which only go so far. When I realized my ability to be my own inner advocate was through movement. It was when I started lacing up for the marathon training. It was when I started lifting weights. It was when I started, you know, even slowing down in some regards, you know, doing yoga, breath work. That was when I realized that I am like the director of this story. And that was really terrifying and exciting at the same time. And the confidence that now really like buttresses, like uh, most areas of my life. I mean, of course there are things that I'm just like, oh gosh, uh, I'm terrible at that, but it's a, it's a side effect of the hustle. And to put it simply, you know, like if I'm this morning, I, I was doing like barbell work, hang power cleans, and I hit like the heaviest weight I've ever done on a hang power clean. It's like, you can't tell me none. Like, if you don't think I'm going to ask for 10% more on that contract, you are delusional. You know, like that gives me the confidence that it's, and then I have more patience with my daughter. I can model things for her in every way. It's the workout is so much more than the 20, 30, 45 minutes, 60 minutes that you put into the workout. It's how are you going to remember who you are in the other 23 hours a day? And I believe I always wake up with an invisible crown on my head. And it's like chin up, crown on always. Oh, I love that so much. How do you not get burnt out? Like I'm exhausted thinking
1: about what you're, when you were just describing your workout, I, I just go spin, right? I do my spin class and I'm done. But how do you do all of this in a day and not feel exhausted or not get burnt out?
0: Burnout is very real, you know, and as high, you know, it's, I delight in being high functioning. And I, and I, and I surround myself with folks like that too. I have a feeling you do too. So we have to be aware and i'm glad that it's more part of the conversation right it's like all the work that ariana huffington has done all the work i mean it's just part of now our our working culture to be aware of burnout but i also think that i kind of feel like hustle gets a bad rap now because it's like you absolutely should still be working your ass off but you should also be prioritizing the conversation with yourself enough to know what your boundaries are because without you cannot set standards for yourself or someone else if you do not know what your boundaries are. Establishing boundaries creates higher standards. Higher standards makes us all money and success. Period. So, the red line thing is goes back to basics. I have a very basic but consistent way I eat, way I sleep, I do breath work for a few minutes and you know, I it's not always perfect. But it, it, usually some semblance of that gets done. The sleep hygiene thing is really important. And listen, I know I, I have a young daughter. Like I know that you can't always, you know, you plan, 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 and life just happens. But most of the time, are you doing your best to fill your own cup? Because that the energy that you have is ultimately currency. And when you're working in elements of teams, right? And it's like kind of everybody's charging together. Everybody's like burnt out together. You can do that for a period of time, right? Like if you're getting ready for launch, if you're really doing the thing, okay. But zoom out a little bit and ask yourself, is this sustainable for six months? Is this sustainable for a year? Probably not much more than that um, in really cortisol-filled environments. So you have to establish and plan. Self-care is a prevention strategy. Self-care is not what you turn to when you're at your wit's end. It's what allows for that escape valve. It allows the pressure out a little bit of the balloon before the balloon pops. So the framework of our home is the health and wellness of my husband and myself because nothing else gets done well or intentionally if we don't take care of ourselves. So it's scheduling my workout, scheduling his workout, delegating where we need to, you know, making sure that we have good food in the fridge that makes us fuel amazingly and gives us the energy that ultimately becomes currency. So it's all the little things that we already know. It's like drink a glass of water and eat a vegetable, honey. Like we've been telling you all this, but when we're in those moments of crisis, it's hard to make the best choice.
1: Oh, thanks for highlighting this because last night I was in the worst mood because I had to get up at three in the morning to drive my son to school today for a school trip. And I was just so frustrated about it. And I ordered Mexican food and ate so much, like as if I was punishing somebody else and I I couldn't fall asleep and I felt sick. And I was like, why did I just do this? Do you ever have moments like that where you come off the rails or no?
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, that's so human, right? Like it's, And I think that you have to give yourself grace when that happens. Like, it's like, okay, indulge in the, in the movie, like buy the thing, like, don't give yourself so much grief, but I try to often think about future Robin. Like, how can I, and I try to think of her like a, like a friend, because then I think there's a, there's more effect. It's hard to befriend yourself. We're really, we're easier on our external relationships than we are internally. I make every effort to befriend myself. And I think about future Robin and I'm like, damn girl, what do you need? Like, what is it that is really going to set you up to feel at the end of the day that when your head hits that pillow, like, gosh, I did that. Like that exhalation that yes, comes from fatigue also comes from pride. And I live for that exhalation. Um, so hell yeah, of course. Like I, you know, I have like days, sometimes weekends, entire weekends where I'll go off the rails and ne- try not to let it go on for more than two days. So it's like, if you're skipping the workout, if you're doing the thing, if you're grabbing for the food that you know you're supposed to grab, put a, t- a 48 hour lock on that, maybe even 24 hours, because then things just start to snowball and you're going to end up feeling so much worse.
1: netsuite.com slash You were pregnant and decided to start writing a book about the importance of working out while pregnant, knowing that there's a lot of people out there that, you know, have their own opinions or whatever. I am like you, I worked out the entire time that I was pregnant and it saved me. What inspired you to write that book?
0: Oh, well, so strong mama was really, it was a love letter to my little training partner, who was my baby, my baby in utero at the time. And I wanted to send a message actually that centered the caregiver. Most kids books do not center the parents. Parents are superheroes. Like raising small humans is an Olympic sport. And I know that now, Um, but you know, during pregnancy, I wanted to, you know, the two Values that we really try to live and espouse in our home are that movement is medicine and that self care is not selfish. And those those were the two messages of the book that I wanted to make, of course, like appropriately age age related, you know, age appropriate, but also fun and center a center a pregnant woman, like show a pregnant woman in a book doing badass things because it happens all the time, and that is the reality of many people's experiences. And I wanted to really highlight and showcase that and then have a, a, a touchstone for parents to revisit these concepts, maybe when time is getting hard or you know, the you know, a child is saying, but why are you leaving and to go do this thing? And why are you marathon training right now? And it's like, let's revisit this. And then even better, the ultimate goal is of course for for young folks to have their own relationship with these concepts and figure out like, gosh, what what do I do when I'm feeling crummy? Like, what how do I move my body in ways that allow me to feel more powerful. And that actually, you know, ends up opening up things for future, future books and stuff. But those were the, that, that was where my head was at when I wrote Strong Mama.
1: Well, I'm grateful you wrote that book because I remember when I was pregnant, getting a lot of flack for I was running a lot, you know, during my pregnancy and and people would give me a really hard time about the health and, and safety of my child. And it's almost like your book gives people permission. And oftentimes when you're new, you're going to be a new parent. It's nice to have someone giving you that permission that's been there and did it and was successful at it. And it's nice because then you can begin to model that behavior and know that you're not alone, even if you don't have those people in in your life. You know, it's that it's like that community that you're you're building for these people to give them. That permission. So I'm, I'm so grateful that you did that. I just wish you had done it 15 years ago, so I could have read it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> thank you for paving the way for pregnant athletes. And it's I find it so frustrating. And honestly, I think that the the paradigm is shifting a little bit. I hope it is, but I still got I got flack too. You know, it's like you know I'm teaching eight months pregnant at Peloton, and it my I was physically capable of doing it. I felt really strong. I felt great. Thank goodness. But I just want to invite less judgment and more curiosity about what we're capable of. And instead of asking, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Focus on what can you do? It's a whole lot. You can do a whole lot. So focus on what you can do and use that to to prop you up. I love that line, less
1: judgment, more curiosity, because here's what I've learned is the more you're judging other people, the more you're actually judging yourself,
0: even Mm -hmm. though you
1: don't know it in the moment, It's hurting you. So instead of approaching it from a place of curiosity, oh, I wonder how that works for her. You know, that's interesting. I had never thought about that. You know, I wonder what that feels like or, or you know, how that makes her feel. That is such a powerful shift that everybody should deploy in their life, no matter what. Because the minute you stop judging people, that's also the same minute you take others off a pedestal. That's also the same minute you see yourself as an equal to everyone. And to me, that's what this life is all about, that we all are equals And in fact, let's be there to cheer each other on instead of Mm -hmm. trying to strip each other down. So thank you for that. Um, So tell me, one of the things I like that you've done, you approach fitness from a prior business law experience. So you're very different than the typical, what you would think, you know, a typical instructor. And that's why I love that you're looking at this business that you're building from the books, from, you know, from the brand and from leading as the VP of the brand. And then also through brand partnerships. Can you tell us a little bit about how that happened, that evolved?
0: so I kind of look at it as like, I'm, I'm the center of the wheel. And then there are spokes of the wheel. And like one of them is Peloton. One of them is my book writing. One of them is, you know, entrepreneurial things. And then the brand relationships that I have developed over the years with stuff that I'm naturally interested in, right? Like I love fashion. So GSCQ was an obvious partner for me when I approach or whether it's something like I'm a vegan athlete. So I, you know, partnered with a company athletic greens and I ended up investing in that company and investing in, in Venus's, you know, plant protein, line, Viking. you know, happy Viking. So those are natural extensions of, of how I live my life. I don't really believe in practicing what you preach. I want to preach what I practice. And then I want brands that do that as well. So that is always like the internal gut check that I'm doing with my team. I now have agents at WME and, you know, a PR team. And when we're discussing this stuff, it's like, I would never, first of all, I have to use use the product and genuinely love it. But also the messaging has to make sense, right? Like I'm never just going to sign a deal just because the dollars are nice. In fact, I say no to most things, but when things like GSTQ, so my relationship with Danny started a few years ago, Danny Garcia started GSTQ and GSTQ's event was actually one of the first events I went to after having and when the world started opening up again after COVID. And she had a launch event for her Brand for her fashion line in New York City. And I just went as a fan and an admirer of Danny. And the clothes were so dope. I literally came home and I ordered like half half the collection. (laughs) And then GSDQ reached out to my team and was like, hey, we want to work together. And, And this is this is the like the ideal scenario where it's like, hey, I already spent my own money on the clothes. Of course, I'm happy to be paid, you know, to wear them now it's interesting because I always say I I traded my suits for spandex when I left law. And now it's such a treat to be able to like rock a blazer and a crop top with like some sporty track pants that are like elevated with platform. You know, it's like, I can now mix. I thought I had to kind of park that part of my identity. Cause I was like, okay, well, this is what a fitness structure structure looks like, or this is what somebody in fitness looks like. And it's like, no, like I can do it my own way. And so whether I'm rocking a red carpet or whether I'm going to teach a class, like I'm, I might have like one foot in one world of high fashion and one foot in the other and I make it my own. And that's definitely what the GSTQ, GSTQ message is all about. And the clothes are just beautiful. I mean, I, I really, I literally feel like I could work out in the blazers. Like that's how comfortable they are. I did eight, I did like 10 hours in DC the other day. It was like a a fast and furious trip. I got to go to the white house with this group, a nonpartisan group that was there doing amazing work and literally got on the, got on the train that morning in the GSTQ suit. And like 14 hours later, stumbled into the door wearing the same GSTQ suit. Honey, I still look good. (laughs) (laughs) I love it.
1: All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, Robin, with all- so much going on and literally your star is shining so bright, you're exploding. What is next for me? What are you looking
0: forward to next? I want to continue creating platforms that allow people to step into their own power and become self-sustaining fire starters. Like whether it's approaching self-care with intention and boundary setting, or, you know, one of the projects I'm most excited about right now is the creation of the first health and wellness club in web three. I founded Swagger Society a few weeks ago, and we are going to be minting NFTs in early 2023. And it's going to be a self-actualization Swagger Society. It's like, if you want to be surrounded by folks who want more for themselves, who want to have conversations that light you up and have an environment where thousand or less folks, it's going to be a small, very curated community are really there for each other, engaging in conversation, having book clubs, early access to all of the things I'm working on. That's really, I'm going to hold space for people's power and for them to broker connections and really midwife each other's dreams.
1: Oh, so beautiful. Community is so important now more than ever after everybody had been isolated for so long. I love that you are doing this for everyone. Where can everyone find you? Where can they get the book? Where can they catch up with you?
0: I am Robin Arson, and you can find me at robinarson.com. I am on social media as uh, Robin Arson, Robin on Twitter. And you can follow Swagger Society as well on Twitter. And that's where you're going to find news about my Web3 projects. And of course, I'm at Peloton, head instructor teaching there many times a week. (laughs) She's the
1: most motivating instructor you will ever take. Definitely catch a class. Robin, thank you so much for all the good that you're doing. Keep it up. We are here cheering you on.
0: Thank you all so much. Great to see you,
1: Heather. Guys, until next week, keep creating your confidence. control.